just when you thought it was safe to go back into the series. Go ahead, Mom Returns! And his master is kind of a dick in more ways than one. Also, Fujiko's disguise hits all the right notes for me. We get an unexpected King of the Hill reference, plus the usual bad jokes and contrived references in today's episode of Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Loop on the Third podcast. Welcome to Cyburns and Cigarettes, a Lupin the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. So we are covering all of the animated and live-action entries in the Lupin the Third franchise in chronological order for, uh, for the most part. So we are now at episode seven of part one. Um, <laughs> and my name is Jay. <laughs> <laughs> The private eye. <laughs> I couldn't hold it in. I almost did it again. Yeah. <laughs> now you know you, know you got to keep this in there too. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking. I was thinking myself like, should I tell him or is he? <laughs> this is this is what happens when you record at eleven twenty-five at night. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm crying from laughing so hard. Oh, we're off to a great start. <laughs> we're off to a fantastic start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh god, that was good. I needed that. <laughs> so Chris, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I haven't laughed that hard in a while. <laughs> Anyways, go on, Chris. <laughs> I was going to say, you want to try to take it from the top? Or, or should I go ahead and go? At this point, does not matter? <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, I'm Chris. I'm a cobra, not a little bitch. And I'm Drew. And I'm going to boil you in oil. <clears throat> and I'm Drew. And I'm going to boil you in oil. <laughs> And I'm Jay the Private Eye. <laughs> All right, before we go any further, I'm going to grab a bottle of water because I can already tell I'm going to need it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I got mine before we started because my mouth is phlegmy. Mm, yummy. Let me go grab one right quick. What are you waiting for? Uh, that felt good. That felt so good. Yeah, please. God, I haven't laughed that hard in ages. My God, I have tears streaming down my face. That's what we like oh. to hear. Yes. I don't know if you've noticed, but my, my, my presence hasn't exactly been the strongest lately uh, in terms of just general gluponness. Um, mm-hmm. However, I was telling Drew earlier while watching this episode, I actually got like this, this sudden like revitalization revitalization of love for this uh franchise just because the animation in this episode was just so much fun and the the, the story was so much fun 
Also, I love how I said all of this, and I could have waited until Drew came back and we just started the podcast. <laughs> Good thing is, we're recording. Hey! So honestly, I could probably splice it around. Or just leave Good. it as is. At this point, I, mean, I don't know. At this point... <laughs> At this point, we're becoming a comedy podcast anyway, so it's great. It's about damn time. <laughs> we haven't even gotten into the show yet. Nope. <laughs> That's what's so brilliant. We're like we're like standing in, like standing at the door of the show and just like looking inside and talking, and we really haven't stepped in yet. You're right. That is the most contrived metaphor I've made all day. This episode's gonna be a, a real test for the true fans of the show. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> if you can stick with us this far. <laughs> <laughs> On today's show, we will be covering episode seven of part one, One Wolf Calls Another. This episode has a uh, no uh, credited director, actually. Um, uh, both Miyazaki, Takahata, and Osumi worked on this, and we'll get into more detail on that in the show itself. But uh, this episode was written by Atsushi Yamatoya, who previously wrote the second episode of Part 1, The Man They Called a Magician. Uh, we went over a good number of his credits in that episode, but he wrote a lot of episodes of Parts 2 and 3, he wrote The Mystery of Mamo, Legend of the Gold of Babylon, Locke the Superman, and a, a pretty large number of uh, Japanese pink films. And the synopsis, according to Wikipedia, goes like this. Three scrolls contain the secret of creating a blade like the Zantetsuken, Goemon's signature weapon. Lupin's father stole a dagger from a swordsman that was forged using the same process. The swordsman challenged Lupin II to a duel and lost, but he managed to steal the scrolls for himself. Now, Lupin plans to steal the scrolls back, but to do so, he must face Goemon and Fujiko, who have their own plans for acquiring the scrolls. And now, let's talk about it. We've reached a, a really interesting period of the show at this point because on the uh, on the liner notes for the DVD, it's pointed out that this episode, um, uh, no director is credited for this episode. Interesting. And apparently, it's the first of several episodes that have no like actual directorial credit, and it's most likely the period where A Productions, which was Hayao Miyazaki and uh, Isao Takahata, were beginning to like you know get their hands on the production of the show. But um, uh, you can still tell in this episode that Masaki Osumi, like you can still feel his input his and influence, influence yeah. over this episode in particular. Oh yeah. The animation, every, the dynamic dynamics are all amazing in this episode. You know, I never really knew that, but that, it kind of makes sense though, because that whole, you know, the showdown between Lupin and Goemon's teacher at the end, that that really feels more like uh, A-Pro than it does Osumi. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a, that's a big Miyazaki energy there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
the no-name bad guy, you know. And uh, you you really get um, uh, a sense for like the 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 visual flair of the episode from the opening scene alone, where you have Lupin <laughs> training by himself. Yes, in the most ridiculous manner. Yes, slicing at some bamboo sticks with the katana. <laughs> Getting the getting the uh, katana stuck in the stick and then pulling the hilt off the blade. Oh, it was so good. Of course, the best part comes next. Um, yes, once he starts kicking and karate chopping statues, I love the shot of him like lunging forward, screaming. Yes, yes. That I was dying. You heard me. I was dying over that one. It's so I was good. laughing. He got so expressive in this one episode, and mm-hmm. I absolutely adore it. I feel like it's a, probably a good time for me to mention that this episode is based on three chapters of the original manga. Wow. Chapters 41 through 43, which were called Crash, License Permission, and A Day Without Killing. Okay. But I, I, uh, I whole, think I've read those, too. The whole bit with uh, you know, Lupin and the statues, that's straight out of the manga. That's oh, awesome. nice. Although the circumstances are a little different in that Lupin's training because a female newspaper reporter is like, he knows she's watching. Oh, and, and then it cuts to, uh, <laughs> you know, a little bit later, she's like, he didn't break a single one. And then we see her looking in shock. And that's when he had that shot of Lupin sitting there covered in bandages. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. And I, I, I thought the way they animated that part was really, was really funny as well. Yes. This entire episode just had a nice air of comedy to it. Mm-hmm. That I think we kind of missed out on some of the earlier episodes. Yeah. Specifically the last one. Yes. Although we definitely uh, might have got overuse out of that episode. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, that cut to him with the bandages. Uh, I love how how just abrupt the cut is. Where he hits all the stags oh, and yeah. he's like, it's beautiful. And then just cut to him. It's beautiful. <laughs> Sitting God, in the that chair. line. I'm curious it's just, about it. It's it's how so... I get... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I'll go uh, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just curious how the uh the bandages on his cheeks got there. Very carefully. I'm just wondering what he did well, to get I mean... those. <laughs> I mean, knowing Lupin, he probably tried to headbutt one of the statues. <laughs> We've got Lupin sitting in the chair, all bandaged up, and um, uh, kind of a, a repeat of last episode where Lupin apparently has a plan that he's been working on, and Jigen's just already telling him to give it up because it's a waste of time. Seems well, to be par for the course. Yep. You know, Jigen's supposed to supposedly be the voice of reason. Well, I guess it's because... He doesn't show up in the manga version of the story. That's valid. Oh, okay. So, so I guess that's why his appearance feels a little tacked on here. Mm-hmm. Although it it does turn out really well <clears throat> later on that he's there. But For some reason, I guess the episode was entertaining enough that you kind of forget that he's, you know, right there. And I feel like it's probably, you know, kind of like a requirement for, you know, Kobayashi to be there at Jigen. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because, you know, like, like with the manga, you know, characters can come and go as they please. But, you know, when you're doing anime, you got to you know, worry about, like, contracts and, you know, stuff like that. And yeah. you also have to worry about, like, um, 
popularity of the characters. Like if Jigen is right. popular with the fans, they're going to try mm-hmm. to put him as in, in as many episodes as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially because he and Lupin have, have that great chemistry together. Exactly. But um, the whole thing with the yeah, reporter, though, there's a bit <clears throat> in the manga where Lupin tells her that he's won battles like these before. And you know, he shows her a collection he has of scrolls that he's won. And then he shows her the collection he has of underwear from women he's seduced. <laughs> well, saying that, saying that, saying that he won those battles as well. I see. I see the game you're playing, sir. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Then Lupin like lifts up her dress. Want to fight? And then she bashes him over the head and walks out. Of course. Good. That was a nice thing about the manga is that they always like they did they did Monkey Punch really did let the women give uh, Lupin one four. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit of that translates to this episode too. Mm-hmm. But you know, the shot of Lupin throwing his bandages away never sat right with me for some reason. The way he whips them off. Yeah, it's just like oh, I guess because I guess it's kind of like a like you know like a cartoon gag for a character suddenly wearing bandages, right? And then you know we actually see him remove the bandages, and it's I don't know, it just feels weird, like like they were just there for effect. Yeah, kind of yeah. kind of tracks from the humor, right? A little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. I did like the motion of the 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 bandages coming oh, off because oh yeah, yeah, the bandages were very well animated. Oh yeah, they they really freaking animated those well. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could have been funny if the bandages fly off. He goes at the door, and the minute the door closes, he just collapses down the stairs, <laughs> <laughs> yowls in pain. <laughs> and then we cut to the title. Yes. <laughs> But no, they have to make Lupin cool. Of course. Also, I, I love the whole, like, I, mean, I love the whole thing with Lupin driving, and oh you know, yes, you know, splice with the uh, clips of Goemon sitting all badass like with birds surrounding yes. him mm-hmm. as the ending theme plays. I love that part, and the different angles they choose too. Yes, <laughs> it's mm, it's so good. Like like that that one shot of Goemon with like the. Uh, the birds flying around him might be one of my single favorite shots in part one. Oh yeah. It's I mean, so good. Yeah. I feel, like, I feel like that's the kind of stuff that Osumi, you know, probably had a hand in. Mm-hmm. Oh, without a doubt. So yes, Lupin, uh, travels to, uh, oh, what's the mountain region? I don't know if the mountain region was named specifically or not. I don't believe it was. Nah. I don't remember it. But he, uh, he summoned to, um, uh, mortal combat. I mean, um, <laughs> a trial. Um, uh, so I'm guessing it's just a trial set up by Goemon to test himself, or is it set up by the the the, the Jito commander, who's that's that's his actual name by the way. That our, our main villain in this episode doesn't actually have a name. It's just Jito Ryu commander. <laughs> you know, they don't all need names, I suppose. Nah, you raise a good point though. Like. What is the purpose of this trial? Because it's like, you know, like you know, whoever wins gets gets the uh, Dantescan scrolls. Mm-hmm. But you know, our nameless bad guy tells Goemon that you know Dantescan is being forged anew, and that Goemon's going to be the one to wield it. Hmm. So what's continuity the... doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and there's some kind of line of dialogue where he mentions that you'll have to test it again, but he's already been testing people right. before that scene happens. 
It's not super clear. It's not like super important either, but it's just a little detail where you're like, what's okay. What's the point? Right. <laughs> Is this just a, 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 a reason to have some action and dyna- dynamic scenes? Or is this just, I don't know, to start a budding friendship? <laughs> it's, 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 it's for the plot. <laughs> there you go. Um, but as, as Lupin's going up uh, to the area for the, for the trial, he catches uh, Hanji of Anaka walking up the hill, who looks <laughs> very suspiciously like Lupin. And I love the yes. gag of Lupin peeking around the tree dressed just like him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then just chucking a rock straight at his face. <laughs> which is animated. Partic- it's, it's hilarious, but it's so painful looking. You know, you know, just in case you forgot that Lupin is not actually a good person. No. Right. <laughs> you know, he just, you know, he, he just knocks out this guy unprovoked. Just because he looks like him, right? Especially because in the in the manga, Lupin didn't bother with the disguise; he went as himself, right? Oh, okay. That's it's an interesting and, touch because the, the guy's going up the hill, and Lupin's already dressed like him, right? Knowing he's so, going to be there. <laughs> so Parfait wants to know, like, if if if, if this Hanji, if that's what he always wears, or Lupin just threw on this one outfit, just hoping that somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Little do we know he's been waiting there for like six hours. <laughs> Just nobody wears this anymore. Is it out of style? <laughs> Finally, someone came with the right outfit. <laughs> he he just got particularly lucky that day. <laughs> and uh, um, it, it's kind of noticeable that the A Productions kind of showed up maybe like partway while this episode was being. Developed because uh, in the beginning, there's a bit of a recycled animation and like some of the some of the, like the animation like dubbing is off sync in the first part with Jigen because you know the bit where like uh, Lupin throws a knife at Jigen, he gets up, pulls the the knife and the newspaper out of the wall, and talks to Lupin. And uh, that animation of him like sitting up appears quickly like again after that. Yes. And also, when Lupine takes the disguise of Hanji, there's a bit where he's like, "There's this one shot where we, when, when Lupine's knocked him out, he's kind of on the cliffside, and it does a zoom in on him, but his face looks just like Hanji, including like a completely different chin." Right. So I'm wondering, I I don't know if like the Hanji character like actually had more to do, or if this is just if that's actually Lupine's face with the chin. It, it was kind of odd because even the face looks entirely different. Right. No, that is odd. I wonder if it's kind of a. I wonder if there's. I wonder if it's like a, like a similar situation with what happens in uh, Castle Cagliostro, when Lupin disguises himself as Denigata. Oh yeah. You know how his face switches back and forth between being Lupin's yep. face and Denigata's face between shots. That's true. Didn't I mean, that, that, that was always the impression I got from this. It's the uh, not often discussed the, the 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 not often discussed Lupin chin morphing. It's just a, he just kind of looks around from both corners and just pushes, like, takes his finger and pushes between his chin. It's like, it's like he's a little bit of Play-Doh in there, you know? Just- Which would honestly <laughs> explain so much. It would. Soft chin Lupin. It's better than tiny hands Lupin. 
This is true. true. Anyways, that's a topic for another day, I think. (laughs) (laughs) For better or worse, yes. (laughs) We'll get into that one in a few years. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I just bought that on Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. Wait till we get to the Pi Cal episode, folks. There might might be things involved to help us get through that experience. (laughs) Yeah. But, um... At Goemon's uh, trial, there um, uh, five finalists are selected, who are uh, <laughs> Akabe um, Shishibana, who apparently in the liner notes it's noted that his name translates to um, let's see, oh his name <laughs> mean literally means pug nose. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Sorry, that just made me really happy. <laughs> If anybody here knows me well enough, they know my favorite breed of dog is the pug. <laughs> and it's a pug it's knows. it's an apt name for this specific Indeed. this specific uh, finalist here. Individual. And there's a um, uh, Shishamo of Hokkaido. There's a uh, Kaiken Horino, who has <laughs> this really nice dichotomy of a military helmet and a T-shirt that says peace. Peace. <laughs> I, I, I never realized that. You're right. <laughs> I loved that so much. It's great. It's so. That's I wonder thing, if like, that was like a statement. <laughs> it might be. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, early seventies. You know, Vietnam War just ended. Yep. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, there may, there may have been something to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I love how, like, even just looking at these characters, they're they're so like. They they each stand out. They 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 they've got like really nice individual character traits that just it's good. Oh yeah, they're memorable. The, the, the character design work was really good in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> the other finalist is uh, Hanjiro of Anaka, but I love how he catches himself from saying his own name, but he pretty much gets all the way through <laughs> it. <laughs> He's like, I'm Lupa. I mean. <laughs> And we've got oh, a. Uh, there's one more finalist. Of course, uh, Miss Ginko Fujinami, who looks looks familiar. Very familiar. Which uh, I uh, I have written here in my notes that I really, really like Ginko Fujinami's design. Is <laughs> <laughs> a very good look. It's 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 a black hair man. That's and like I really like that Lupin immediately sees through the disguise. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> because Instantly. like because like with the first time I watched the episode, I thought that maybe that was like a setup to revealing that it's not actually Fujiko. Mm-hmm. Right. But the fact that it turns out to actually be Fujiko, I think it's hilarious. And the fact oh, that yeah. you know Lupin saw through the sky, she wasn't fooling anybody. <laughs> and also like the uh, the gag with Lupin looking through the hole in the magazine at her. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's great because you got that shot of him laying down with like his eye peeking out of the hole. You see his right. POV, Private but then eye. like cuts back <laughs> and he's right in front of her. Yep. One of the best gags I feel. And she's like yeah. just nonchalantly ignoring him. Until he's like right up on her. Yep. Yep. And the, but the thing, even when he's right upon her, the way it almost plays, there's a specific shot when he's like, Fujiko, Fujiko. And the shot of her, she looks and looks past him. And then there's like a double take. Like she, 
she yeah. didn't notice <laughs> the guy with the magazine right up in front of her. <laughs> she was in the zone. And, you know, of course, and you got to love the fact that Lupin starts by looking at her face and then he moves down to her cleavage. Yep. <laughs> Typical Lupin. We all know who it is. I love how that's the bit when it cuts back and you see how close he is. Yep. <laughs> God. Fuji Kokun. Fuji Kokun. Fuji Kokun. <laughs> it gets even better when he points out that her disguise sucks and she stabs <laughs> right. her dagger straight through the little peephole. And he catches it. With his teeth. With his teeth. Could I be mistaken? <laughs> Now, see, I love that. In, in, uh, in the manga, Fujiko was the main judge of the trial. Oh, and and each entrant had to face off against Goemon before the That's battle. Right. Was, before the battle started, Fujiko would ask them about the weapon by saying, "What's your favorite flavor?" Oh, you know, I then like they, that. Yeah, then they would say, oh. "What you know, what weapon they're using?" Then they had to read a contract, which was just a ruse for Goemon to sneak up on them and attack. So, okay. so when it's Lupin's right. turn. You know, she asks him, what's your favorite flavor? He says, redhead, but for you, I'd make an exception. Ha! Then she's like, do you have a weapon? He says, indeed, and drops his pants. Ha! <laughs> well. <laughs> Whoop, there it is. And, uh, you know, and as he's reading through the contract, um, you know, he sees right through it. And he even adds at the very end, P.S., did you really think I'd fall for such a stupid trick? Right. <laughs> Smart boy. Indeed. See, so at the tournament, pretty much everyone is getting their ass handed to them, just in a row. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> I kind of love the bit where they're all just sitting around, Lupin's lounging with the magazine on his face, and there's just dudes collapsing all around him. <laughs> then uh, Fujiko is uh, called up a challenge, and of course Lupin tries to stop her to tell her she might get hurt, and she promptly karate chops him right in the wrist. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I particularly love Yasuo Yamada's performance when he gets hit. Oh, me too. He's over the top, and I love it. It is great. And speaking of great, I, I Fuchiko in this episode is so cool. She she, she she gets kind of like her little moment that Goemon will eventually get in the series where she's got her, her little short sword. Guy comes up behind her. She just kind of quickly swings. The guy looks up and his his training sword falls to pieces. It's a, it's a nice little moment. Is that called it a Bakken or Boken or how do you pronounce it? I think so. Okay, definitely one of those two then. All right, good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, Is so, it Bakken or Boken? Yes. All right. <laughs> it's, I'm sure it's one of those two things. <laughs> I thought that uh, you know, Fujiko being like all over Goemon – like, Lupin's reaction to that, I think, is pretty funny. But the fact that Goemon doesn't have any reaction at all feels a little out of character. Oh. Yeah, he's... You know, he's I, 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 I feel like he should, he should be at least blushing. Right. Yeah, I... I Maybe yeah, he, his, his character in this is, like, the, it hasn't quite got fleshed out to, like, the, 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 the Goemon we know in this one. Because he's, he's a legit badass in this one. Yeah. Well, I mean, he always he is, but but well, I feel yeah. like he has you know, emotions. He, I feel like his awkwardness around women, though, was you know I, I feel like we saw that in the last episode. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah, we kind of did. Yeah. He's he's much more stoic in this one, right? But honestly, like it's not the only kind of in, in, incongruous bit because in the, in, in the beginning we've got Jigen telling Lupin you know, like not to go to the tournament, not to do this stuff. But then when Lupin does go, Jigen jumps off the sofa and says, "Wait, you're leaving me?" <laughs> <laughs> he sounds actually upset that Lupin's going without him. <laughs> He loves his buddy. He does. It's, it's kind of the whole thing of, you know, there's a difference between inviting someone and having them turn it down as opposed to just not inviting them at all. Right. That is true. Let's see, but uh, I'm trying to remember what was. Oh, there, there was one shot um, uh, when when Lupin gets called up <laughs> to face off in front of Goemon. Uh, there's this. This is bit, and it's. I, I have a screen cap over here. I'll probably post on the Twitter account when this episode goes up. But when Lupin takes the magazine off his face before he gets up, there's this shot where he looks like Boomhauer from King of the Hill, and I can't get that image <laughs> oh out my of my god. head. <laughs> oh my god! I need to see this. You know, what? I'm going to post this in the Discord. I'm going to. <laughs> Oh man, I gotta see this. Holy oh, crap. oh, it's gonna upload quick. All right, here we go. Honestly, I might leave this part in. <laughs> <laughs> to say that <laughs> you're right. No, look at that face. It looks just like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you need to do a side-by-side of Boomhauer uh, I'm going and Lupin. to. <laughs> Thank you. When this episode Thank goes you. up, I'll, I'll, when, I, when I do like a little announcement thing, I'm going to put just that underneath it. <laughs> good. Good. Yes. Good. Oh. oh, my God. Oh, my God. I thought I was about to have a heart attack from laughing so hard. Hang on, good, my man. <laughs> 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 oh my god so when Lupin goes up to uh, face off in front of Goemon he, he he sees Fujiko all over him and he gets visibly upset yeah <laughs> he reveals his secret power of shouting he's <laughs> <laughs> seeing Fujiko like this it's Disgraceful, and the guy behind him just—it's <laughs> too much for him. Falls. I see, like and you know, he he yells in the manga as well, but you know, not for the same reason. Oh, and I don't think I'm actually sure what he says because I think that because I don't think Tokyo Pop translated that because it was a sound effect, not a not actual dialogue. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. Let me double check real quick. Yeah, they don't tra- they don't translate whatever he's yelling. Ain't that just a stinker? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me though if he if he was yelling disgraceful. I think I think what pop, you're not doing your job, right? <laughs> I think what sells the moment even more is um, uh, I love Goemon's reaction of being actually impressed by his right his vocal attack. 
<laughs> like he's like Goldman gets a big grin on his face and he's like impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I'm guessing I'm guessing none of the other contestants, you know, tried that strategy. So I'm guessing you're probably right. Might have been the first time he ever he's ever seen it. Lupin, Lupin just invented a fighting style. The vocal. So like I feel like with the like with Lupin and Goemon showdown here, I think the animation and pacing get really weird. It does. You know, because like you know, Goemon's weapon is it the Zontetskin or is it a wooden or is it a wooden sword? Because it goes back and forth, and then Lupin pulls oh, out the right. staff from nowhere. You know, he defends himself with it. It breaks. He plants the buck and go on as he passes out. Then he picks up the two halves of the staff again. Huh. And like, you know, the manga did that version of the gag a lot better, I thought, because, you know, one panel shows Lupin blocking Goemon's, uh, you know, wooden sword with a, with a stick. Right. And then, and then we cut to the next scene where someone points out that not even Lupin could defeat him. And we see that Lupin is unconscious on the ground holding two pieces of a stick with a big knot huh. on his head. <laughs> you know, I, I thought that was a lot funnier and the way they animated it, I thought it was just kind of confusing. Or confusing, sorry. Confuting. That's not confute. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that like animation cut has to, again, has to do with the A-Pro production kind of changeover. Because it's just that static cell of essentially going on floating away. <laughs> it kind of looks like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's quite a few, uh, you know, static shots like that in this mm-hmm. episode. Although I think most of them are, are done a little better than that. But that yeah. The whole sequence is just, it's just kind of awkward. It uh, is I think really awkward. The shot that kind of boggled me the most is when, you know, Goemon descends, he breaks the stick in half, and then, like, you see the stick break in half, and then it cuts this kind of hazy, out-of-focus shot of Goemon. I'm guessing from the yeah. POV of Lupin getting whacked in the head. Yeah, that's how it's <laughs> But it's just, I just don't understand, like, because, like, when he falls to the ground, you know, he's empty-handed, aside from the uh, literal bug. Yeah. You know, that, that he plants on him. And then when we see Lupin again, he's now holding the two halves of the staff. That just seems like kind of a strange thing to pick back up after you pass out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I see like, what they're going for. Like, they're trying to, I see they're trying to, like, replicate, you know, that gag from the manga, but they also needed to have Lupin plant a bug on him, so it was just. Didn't quite work, right? <laughs> Lupin and his his, uh, his his moments fading out from that. He's just like I spent a lot of money on that stick. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's worth pointing out that you know I keep referring to the bug that Lupin plants on him, but it's an actual like robotic ladybug. Yeah, it's like that episode part uh, two where Jigen refers to uh, something similar as a flying pun. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Let's see. So, uh, nameless Abraham Lincoln-looking bad guy, um, <laughs> Mr. Dickhead, as I like to call him, Dickhead Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the bit where, it, um, I guess, he takes Goemon. Um, uh, he does it. He takes him underneath the, uh, like, kind of like the arena area they're at. To show that yeah. they are forging the Zantetsuken anew. Which which I feel like it's worth pointing out that this second Zantetsuken is never mentioned again after this episode. Yep. That's This true. is the first and last we hear of it. 
It's it's not important. Nah. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> but it, it, it is an odd addition. So, so somewhere in the Lupin universe, there's two of these. Yep. Yeah. Well, well, three if you want to count the dagger coming up. Ah, that's true. I'm guessing, you know, the scenes like this were probably done to uh, maybe pad out the episode length a bit. Yeah. Probably. Let's see. So, uh, nameless dickhead Lincoln tells uh, Goemon <laughs> that there's an imposter uh, There's an imposter in their midst. Goemon's aware that there's an imposter, but he's not quite sure who it is. But this guy's already on to the fact that it could be Lupin. I, I do like the little continuity between this and uh, this and episode five. Where, where you like when uh, just at the mention of Lupin, Goemon's like, ah, still gotta, still gotta beat that dude. <laughs> well, like there was some like that you know before when uh, you know Lupin and Jigen are talking about about him. We actually get a clip from episode five. You know, I guess to kind of like reestablish the audience who Goemon is. Yep. All right. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Honestly, the the. the I, with this villain, I think Dickhead Lincoln's a good name because the dude takes like a little bird that's just flying by and tells Goemon that he needs to like strengthen his resolve and then just crushes the poor little bird and throws it at Goemon. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, going back to the manga here. Oh boy. First of all, Dickhead Lincoln, I think, is uh, based on the final boss from, uh, you know, the trial for the scrolls. Yeah. You know, Lupin ends up killing him by jumping out of nowhere and like karate chopping him which i think slits his throat okay yeah kind of uh, cool but yeah but the uh, dude, that that would leave a pain in my yeah. neck yeah <laughs> lupon's, a, lupon's a pain in the neck then god was right all these years yeah but but anyway um yeah the, t- the story uh, a day without killing the premise on that one is that Goemon's uh, masters are sending him to kill Lupin. Right. However, Lupin has taken the day off. He wants to spend time with his unnamed girlfriend. And right before they're about to get it on, every time, Goemon interrupts. I remember this. Yeah. There's, there's a bit in the English version where Lupin's like, Goemon's like a teenager. He always comes at the wrong times. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, but like at, at one point when that uh, Goemon's teachers are reprimanding him. One of them grabs a bird, rips the wing off, throws it at Goemon, saying that he needs to turn his heart to stone. You need to be a cobra, not a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now we know where that came from. Yeah. And, uh, you know, near the end, when, uh, you know, Goemon's calling him out, he, you know, he tells the teacher, he's like, let's see, he tells them they're full of shit. And he says, uh, go kill some birds. I'm going to train with the real master. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, this guy really so, is a dickhead. Yeah. yeah. So like, so like, as bad as it was having the bird in the anime, I think it was worse than the comic. Yeah. Makes about as much sense as the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after that, um, uh, um, I'm trying to remember what happens next. Oh yeah, oh, you get the bit of get the bit of Lupin trying to sneak into Fujiko's room, but while sneaking, he's saying the word "sneaking" over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great little character beat. In my uh, bootleg DVD, 
uh, instead of saying sneaking, Lupin's actually saying tiptoe. Tiptoe, <laughs> tiptoe. Which I think is funnier when he you know when he steps on one of the cow traps because it's like tiptoe, tiptoe, tiptoe. <laughs> that works better. Yeah, it really does. And I, I'm sure this is again another animation error because the changeover. But I find it hilarious the way the episode as is. You see Fujiko like sleeping on a mat, like pretty much wearing nothing but her wig. But then when Lupin steps on like the little the uh, they look like a uh, jacks, but do kids know what jacks are anymore? <laughs> Well, they did. I mean, they probably did in 1971. Yeah, I remember Jax. Too bad for the kids that don't. Man, they missed out on a good time. Indeed, but simpler time. I find it hilarious <laughs> that when, when when Lupin steps on the Jax and like flies out the door, Fujiko like in a split second just shows up in the doorway without her wig, with like her standard like you know kind of like black shirt ascot outfit. So, yep. I have this. What was the purpose of her sleeping in in, in her wig? <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, it's okay. She loses the wig in like the next shot. Yeah, and then, and then she gets mid conversation. Maybe it's like the opposite of how Lupin will leap out of all of his clothes at once. Maybe Fujiko can like <laughs> leap into all of hers. Ah, <laughs> the yin to Lupin's yang. There you go. Now it all makes sense. I'm just imagining a, a, like a chase scene of them doing that, like like Fuj- like like Lupin <laughs> hopping out of his outfit and Fujiko then hopping into his and Lupin <laughs> attempting to hop into hers, <laughs> and it's just that back and forth for a while. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I'd watch that. It would crack me up. You know, I could I could see Monkey Punch drawing something like that. Yes. So could I. <laughs> this episode how Fujiko has like her own little like her own little gang of like thieves and they got their own mission going on. Lupin's like no part of it. I really like seeing yeah. like her doing her own thing. It's it's really cool. Yeah. It's it's always it, nice when they give her something more than just being the femme fatale, you mm-hmm. know? Right. Yeah, and I guess what I kind of like about part one is that the way they kind of imply that these characters have lives outside of Lupin. Yep. Yeah. You know, like we talked about with Zenigata last time. All right. You know, he's just doing a mission. And I feel like it's worth pointing out that in the manga, these guys that are working for Fujiko actually work for Lupin instead. Yeah. I think it's a little, it's, it's a little unclear. Like when, when Fujiko knocks out Lupin with the, or when one of her goons knocks him out with like a pistol whip, mm-hmm. I think what would have been better is when the plane comes by and drops that crate. If it, had, <laughs> if it had dropped that onto Lupin, that would have been what knocked him out. That would have been funny. Right? That'd be great. Oh, my God. You know, you nice have, I think you have, like, you know, a bit where, like, you know, everybody's walking over to, you know, to where the crate landed, you know, picking up their weapons, you know, from the massive broken wood that Lupin's lying underneath. Right. <laughs> just having yeah. him wake up to yeah. that. Or no, he's just, like, just lying there dazed or unconscious. Right, that's be really great. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, that would have made such a better gag than what we got. But what I don't get though is that he's hit in the back of the head. But when we see him lying there, he now has a black eye. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. Right. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe his face get a rock on the way down. I don't know. Ow. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of foreshadowing for when for when he's wearing a uh, eye patch later. Hey. <laughs> Lupin uh, would recover from his injuries pretty quickly, but uh, who's not going to recover? Are all the guards at the uh, at the compound. Because man, yeah, they get. They get brutally gunned down in this episode. I, I almost kind of feel bad for them. I do too. Oh, they're, no. just, they're just hanging around. That like some of them don't even have guns because. I mean, I don't think any of them do. I think they're all you know armless swords. Like especially that one guy who's armless, spe- huh? <laughs> especially that one guy who comes out, you know, who's rubbing his eyes like he clearly just woke up. Yep. Right. <laughs> you know, it tells him like, "Hey, hold on, guns aren't allowed here," and he gets gunned down. Kind of wonder if this. Oof. If that's supposed to be like a, uh, I don't know, maybe like an East versus West sort of thing, like what Godman oh, said God. in the previous episode about, oh yeah, you know, favoring uh, you know, Western weapons as opposed to Eastern art, right? Mm-hmm. And also, Godman totally cut that one dude in half, right? Yes. Oh my God, because <laughs> they gunned down those dudes, and I guess Godman was aware of what was happening because, like. These dudes show up. It's specifically uh, Chishamo who gets just like split from, oh, from from the bottom up. Ouch! It's a, ah, it's it's that's probably like the most like viscerally violent moment in the entirety of part one. It, it, yeah, it, it kind of caught me off guard the first time I saw it because it's so quick. But you're like, that did that? Did that, did just that get- happen? <laughs> did that happen? Please correct me if I was wrong. But did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> This episode really is Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> Fatality. <laughs> but uh, he, he he cuts straight through Shishamo and uh, Shishibana also gets like sliced in the side. It's not anywhere near as graphic as the other one, but he takes him down mean, quick. Doesn't and, need to be graphic to be implied. No. And like, I like how, you know, when he's pointing his, you know, Dantesque at Fujiko, it's pretty much just, I don't kill him and go. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> I think she even says bye bye as she leaves. Yep. <laughs> bye bye. I love that. Um, uh, of course, while while, while Goemon's taking the time to spare, Lupin's already taken the scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> he first tells him, "That's what you get." <laughs> oh, by the way, they're 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 fake. They're dynamite. Very <laughs> Looney Tunes. Right. Oh God. The, and and the fact that. Not only are they fake, they're dynamite. Lupin just tosses it into panic and he just happens to throw it right where the vault is. <laughs> Goemon's shock realization where he like, because Goemon looks, he's like, oh no. <laughs> I'd be pretty pissed. I'm not going to lie. It's like his, If I was Goemon, I'd be like, ah, shit. It's, <laughs> it's like his whole plan of switching out the scrolls for explosives went horribly right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I'm trying to remember. Does he get the scrolls back um, uh, out of that vault that he goes into? I think. Uh, see, I think he goes. I think up the stairs, and that's where uh, that's where Dickhead Lincoln is. Dickhead. <laughs> yes, that was it. yeah, yeah. Because he uh, he takes the sword and like points it at him, tells him to explain, pretty much. And I feel like the explanation doesn't explain anything. No, I'm no, still just confused. Yeah. It was very convoluted. 
So like, so like, did, did Lupin the Second just walk around Japan all day, challenging every swordsman he saw? Maybe he did for a time. Who knows? Maybe he went through a phase. I mean, you know, I guess he didn't have anything better going on. All right. That's true. He, he, he walked around just the deserts. <laughs> he just walked around the just, just barren landscapes of Japan, dressed like his father. Right. So it, it, that, that's an interesting touch of having Lupin the Second dressed just straight up like Granddaddy Arsene. Right. But with right. Like, but you know, with like a beard and longer hair. Yep. Yeah. But like, it's never actually explained where Lupin the Second got the dagger, is it? No, it's not. He just has it. No, he just. Nope. Yeah, he just has it. It just exists. Now you see it. Now you don't. Except in reverse. It's just like I feel like this whole thing with the, uh, you know, with you know, with what the scrolls actually are, doesn't pay off at all. No. You know, you know, they're they're just a MacGuffin for everybody to be going after. Mm-hmm. And to become friends. Yeah. But no, like, it, it really, like, this whole thing is just, like like Chris said, like, it's just a MacGuffin. But it's really nice because it, 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 it's a nice, thin little story to hang a bunch of gags and character development around. I agree. Yeah. Because um, uh, uh, Lupin II splits the sword in half with his little dagger. And Dickhead Lincoln gets so jealous that he has uh, one of Lupin's men steal it for him. And he's like, I guess that was my introduction to the criminal world, stealing a dagger because I was defeated. But Because you know, I was defeated. As you do. As you do. Kind of makes me wonder how many other uh, enemies of Lupin II are running around out there. All right. <laughs> that guy broke my sword. <laughs> no shit, he broke mine too. <laughs> it's like, no kidding, uh, what do you look like? A uh, tall French guy, uh, top hat monocle. Holy shit, dude! Yes, that's him. He's the one. <laughs> <laughs> this form their own legion of heartbroken swordsmen. <laughs> 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 Honestly, that'd be a really fun episode. <laughs> I agree. It could be a follow up with the, uh, you know, to the prequel story about the Phantom Weasel we discussed last time. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> And also, um, uh, if like the, uh, what was it? It really is just kind of like a thin story because Goemon's there, he hears it, now he's angry at Dickhead Lincoln and tells... For some reason. Uh, he, he tells... I, I, I guess he's upset because he stole it without honor or something, I would assume. Like, 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 because like, I guess the way Dickhead Lincoln presented it is that... That's kind of hypocritical, though, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> just a little. You know, considering what you know, Glamon's ancestors did, and what he himself is going to be doing starting next episode. Right. Yes, Glamon feels oddly out of character in this episode, in, in, in yeah. a good number of moments. It, he just needed a, a, a an episode to be out of character so he could become in character. Yeah. <laughs> But honestly, even if it is a thin plot with like no motivation, I I, I I I do like how it gets us to a duel between Dickhead Lincoln and Lupin wearing a tremendously <laughs> oversized knight's armor with this with this little halter <laughs> strapped on the outside of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, like you know, like Lupin in that suit of armor is a funny visual to begin with. It is, but then the way the then the way the actual duel plays out, I thought was really really amusing as well. Oh yes, it's so funny. You know, lots of like lots of uh, 
slapstick, you know, mm-hmm. which yes. which I don't think we've really seen much of in the series at this point. No, Aside not really. A few moments here and there, but this, which is why I'm thinking like this right here is when you know Apro stepped in, yep, for this episode because you know stuff like you know Lincoln swinging his sword wildly, blocking the bullets, <laughs> or or chasing Lupin while still having part of a weight on on top of his head. Yes. <laughs> you know that that feels kind of that clashes a little bit with what we've seen so far, but it's it's great. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is specifically that shot of them running in circles around the tree for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and the kid weasels just saying like, how can you call yourself a man? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love that Lupine leads him to a ditch he's dug. It's 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 such a simple trick, but it's great. And I love that Lupin yeah. just rubs in his face. <laughs> God, like you know, I doubt it was supposed to be an intentional reference, but it kind of reminded me of uh, the swordsman Miyamoto Musashi. Oh you know, yeah, you know how he would do stuff like arrive to duels hours late, just yes, to, just to piss <laughs> off his opponent and throw him off guard. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that cracked me up so much. And <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel like Lupin's kind of taking the page from uh, you know Musashi's there because mm-hmm. you know that's essentially what he's doing is that he's pissing off this guy to the, <laughs> you know to the point where he ends up you know making a rookie mistake by falling into that hole <laughs> sounds about right which Lupin probably didn't hide very well on purpose yep <laughs> I love that even though Lupin pulls a trick as dirty as that Goemon just is just like yep yeah, yep yeah, you get the scrolls you won Baron Square right <laughs> fine Honor- by me Honor- honorable <laughs> Which, that's the thing, he gets so mad about Dickhead Weasel stealing this dagger, but when Lupin digs a ditch and just makes the guy wildly angry and pulls such a cheap trick, he's like, ah, seems fair to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be fair, not going on really establishing any rules before the duel started. That's true. This is true. There weren't really any rules when when Dickhead Lincoln, or as Drew's calling him, Dickhead Weasel... (laughs) You know, stole the oh dagger. Oh, God, did so. I say dickhead weasel? <laughs> like, Several times. Yeah, like two or three times. <laughs> Y'all, it's midnight. <laughs> it sure is. You know, I'm not cutting those out. Nope, I'm just, you better I'm just not. Leave, I'm just leaving this part in. Good. It needs to stay. I like the how, you know, Fujiko suddenly comes out of nowhere, steals the scrolls, Lupin gets angry, and Goldman's like, Oh no, they're fake. Here's real ones. Yeah. How many fakes did he that. draft? <laughs> I mean, it, would, it wouldn't be surprised if he, if he literally had like four or five, you know, fake scrolls up his sleeve the whole time, just in case. Fuji oh, yeah. was still those Honestly. as well. I mean, <laughs> seems right up his alley or sleeve, I suppose. Yeah. Nothing I want so, to know is what's on the fakes. Did he, did he just give them like blank paper, or did he just like write a little note or a little doodle? <laughs> Or something. So, That's a good question. Also, I'm kind of curious because, like, I feel like like time and the pacing of the story are kind of weird in the second half of this episode overall. Mm-hmm. Because how much time passed between Lupin getting the scrolls and then showing up for a duel with Goemon? I feel like there should be a scene there that's missing. Yeah, 
especially since that last scene ends with him driving off, it just feels like he drives off, drives for down the road, and somehow Goemon ran across the mountains to get in front of him <laughs> twice. True. <laughs> well, I mean, because like you know, Lupin mentioned that you know he had been served a a letter of challenge from Goemon, so there has been some time that's passed, right? Yeah. Either that, or Goemon just kind of just... slipped it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to say maybe maybe it's a paper airplane, but Lupin ex- explicitly mentioned that the paper's too big to make a paper airplane from. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's too hard to blow my nose with. And <laughs> <laughs> even though, like even though you, like you do lose track of time between, it, I do I do kind of like how after the duel ends, Goemon gives him the scrolls. It's just kind of a series of vignettes. Of going on trying to challenge him, I kind of wish there was almost one more, <laughs> just to complete yeah, that I rule mean, of I th- three. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think I'd probably, you know, I probably wouldn't have as much problem with it if there were three of them. But yeah, there's just two, there's two, so it just feels kind of off. It does. It feels kind of incomplete, almost. Yeah, but it, it does lead to that <laughs> the pretty great gag where it's. It's Lupin and Jigen riding around, and they're about to drive. What appears they're, they're are, are, am I wrong? Are they about to like just drive across a log? Yes, <laughs> as you do. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it happened in the manga as well. Let me double check. Oh, because this, I, I, this thing that happens far is straight from the manga. Oh. I, I do love that. Is just. Just that visual alone of let's cross this gap. How are we going to do that? I see a log. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking at it right now, and yeah, uh, Lupin does indeed uh, drive across a log to uh, confront Goemon because he pushes his girlfriend over to the side. Get out of the way! And then we see Goemon <laughs> unsheath his sword, sheath it back, and then we see like a close up of Lupin driving, saying, "That's it. I've had it." vacation is over and that's when we get to the you know the shot of Lupin driving half a car yes which I might mention here that I have bookends that are from that scene and they're incredible very nice when that gag happens in the anime I almost kind of want to see where Jigen went because we do see him later (laughs) but I want to know where A his half of the car went and did he have any control over where it went (laughs) <laughs> just, i'm banking on no <laughs> i just kind of pitched like the like his half just kind of like you know like swerved to the right and wobbled back and forth and just fell over and the dude <laughs> just kind of climbed out of it there's a scene in part two it's the episode which eventually we'll talk about but it's the episode uh, towards the end of the dub um with the gangsters and um they they are driving and they hit a pole or a fire hydrant or something like that. And Jigen pops out of the trunk. <laughs> oh, <it's, laughs> he yeah. just pops, falls out of the I, trunk. I, I remember that. Was that Ice Robot? Yeah, I, that's oh, it. That's God. the one. That's, that's, that's my favorite episode of part two. It's Same. such a good episode. And we'll get to that eventually. Speaking uh, of really three gags, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, here in the manga though, after you know we see Lupin angrily trying to run down Goemon with half a car. It cuts back to uh, 
I guess the the school where Goemon's at. Yes. And his instructors are like, he's still a boy. He lacks focus. Go to your room to your cold blooded <laughs> and no dessert. To which Goemon says, bite it off, old man. I'm tired of listening to your bullshit advice. Go kill some birds. I want to study with the true master. Who is this master? Lupin the third. And like I understand why the anime did not go with this version of the ending, but I kind of wish they had. Because the final panel is Lupin on a couch, just about to get it on with his girlfriend, <laughs> when Goemon burst into the room with a big smile, saying, Greetings, Master, remember me? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that panel, and that, that might be one of my single yeah. favorite panels I've seen from the manga. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I understand why the anime didn't go that route, but I kind of wish they had. Me too. It would be great. But the ending we got is still really great. It is it's so much fun because you got you got Lupin just screaming at him, yelling that he's going to boil him alive. <laughs> Not so subtle reference to uh, Goemon's ancestor. And I love how that's the one that cracks Goemon up. <laughs> he's got a good sense of humor. He's got to. Eventually. <laughs> I just love how it eventually just leads to them both just giggling maniacally almost. Right. <laughs> Lupin hops out of the car. They sit side by side just laughing their hearts out. And Jikin just appears in the background like, oh no, you've got another troublemaker in the gang. <laughs> I just love that he just looks like he's jealous way in the background. He does. I wish I was a part of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> I almost want to do an edit of that scene where like, cause you know, you see the shot of them laughing and it kind of pans over and you see Jig. I'm just going to insert that sad Hulk music from the old TV show. <laughs> do it. Please do this and release it for the wild to go crazy over. <laughs> I beg of you. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's such a great ending to the episode. It is. I mean, honestly, the last one had like a pretty good, especially in the ending, had like a really good straightforward plot. You, you could tell what was going on. The logistics made a good bit of sense. And with, and with this one, the logistics and the plot like are kind of kind of muddled and kind of messy, but it has so many like great dynamic action moments, so many great gags and character beats. Some great character work goes a long way. It really does. Yeah, like I think like the writing for this episode is probably the best part. Yes, because I feel like I feel like the animation and you know the pacing and all that. I feel like that kind of falls apart in the second half, but but the writing I think is what saves it. Mm-hmm. Because it's you know like I said, yeah, there's a lot of great you know character moments, uh, you know, a lot of great set pieces. They're they're kind of stapled together, but but they're still really great and you know, it's really funny as well. Yes. Yeah. It has its flaws, but it's still good. Right. It, it, exactly, because because like it, it's it's definitely got its issues, but it made me laugh so much you kind of almost forget them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because instead of remembering, you know, like bits of just what the heck is going on with the Zen Tetsuka in the second one, I remember the bit of Lupin looking through the peephole and then getting almost stabbed in the mouth. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, "Must have been mistaken." Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, this wraps up the only multi-episode story arc part one has. 
Oh, wow. You're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because I know, like, you know, part two has a few two-parters. Yes. Um, I think part three has, like, what, a three-part episode? Then, uh, you know, part four and five, they have, you know, ongoing plot threads throughout the whole thing. But mm-hmm. part part one, though, just has Goemon's first two yes. appearances as its only yeah. multi-episode story arc. No, no, you're right. But it it's great. It is. The, 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 the two of my favorite episodes in... All of part one, to be honest. Yeah, I think both episodes are really strong. I think episode five is probably a little stronger, but this one's really good as well. Oh yeah, definitely. So I'm guessing that, that, that that's about the consensus on this one. It's 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 flawed, but it's also really funny. So yeah, it makes up for the flaws that it has. It does exactly. Well, my my uh, usual question is. Uh, what do you guys rate it? Ooh. Like, rate it as in out like of a... like all, You can do a scale or you can base it off of every episode you've seen thus far oh, okay. in the series. Not not including anything past this point. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think this one ranks amongst them so far? Well, I think so far my favorite episode is still The Prison Break. Mm-hmm. That one's amongst my favorites yeah. too, and it always has been. And like I said before, I prefer I prefer the first Goemon episode over this one a little bit. Yeah, right. I guess of all the episodes we've reviewed so far, this one's probably like right in the middle for me. There you go. You know, not because there's anything really wrong with it, just you know, there's others that are better, right? And others that Get are up, much up. much worse. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm about the same way because my favorite is probably again the, the prison break one. My second favorite is that's that's that would be a tie between the Pie Kyle episode and um, Goemon's first appearance. It's a little it's a little hard to pick between those. Yeah, and probably this would fall right behind right behind that, and then it would be. Um, the first episode I liked bits and pieces of it. It's it's kind of lower tier. Then I, under that I would put the uh, the Phantom Weasel episode, and my least favorite would be Farewell, Farewell, My Beloved. Which uh, I'm I'm sorry, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, yeah, it's not working honestly, out. I, honestly, I I agree with you. Although I would switch. Uh, is Lupin burning with? Rainy afternoons are dangerous. Okay. Just because I really do not like his Lupin burning. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, such a bad start. I I, I guess the only reason I would I would rank is Lupin burning above the rainy afternoons are dangerous is for that one shot of Lupin uh, as the plumber drilling through the wall and then getting hit by the tidal wave. I mean, you know, like the episode's not all bad. Nah. It's just mostly bad. Yeah, exactly. Well, for me, I'm kind of in the same wheelhouse as uh, uh, as Drew in terms of like rankings. I really, although I really like, this one probably does fall pretty close to the middle for me. Just because, one, I do think that they really stepped up their game in some places, but it fell short in others. Um this is only episode seven, so uh, episode five is definitely my favorite. 
I believe. Yes. I had to think about that for a long while. I'm like, am I thinking of the right episode? <laughs> well, yeah. I, for one, am excited about the next one. Yes. Oh, yes. Because the next episode of part one is my favorite episode of part one. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a good time. Yes. Honestly, we're getting to my favorite period of part one. I, I really like the episodes where the... The, uh, the change of the guard was happening because you kind of get this weird blend of like Osumi stylings with the Miyazaki Takahata like vibe and it creates this really interesting kind of incongruous but it, it it works oddly enough for me anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you kind of get the best of both worlds during that transition. Yeah. And honestly, I think that we're probably like during this transitional period, we're probably uh, the closest we get to the tone of the manga. Mm-hmm. Right. It's true because you got like you, you got like some of like kind of like the, the the darkness and harder edge stuff in there with a lot of goofy slapstick. Right. Yes. It, 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 also, it, it, for this episode, I really like that they kind of fleshed out the characters' designs a lot more. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe I'm nitpicky or something. But it almost feels like around this point uh, is when they started like really getting into the groove of the, of the character's designs. They weren't there. There weren't as many weird frames. If you catch my drift. Um, Like, like they did a better job of staying on model. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just looks good. And I feel like it's around this point that if you look at like future uh, installations of the franchise, like part four and five, they really took influence from around this point of, the franchise because oh, yeah. of its character models. They they didn't take much influence from part two or part three at all. Mm-hmm. For better or worse. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't get me wrong, I love the OG designs from part one. But man, I, I really do miss part twos and part threes yeah. designs. I do too. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Well, I'm on Twitter at Lupon, uh, L-O-O-P-A-W-N. Um, I'm on Instagram at Lupon.Sansei, and it's L-U-P-I-N dot S-A-N-S-E-I. Uh, I'm sure you can find me other places, but you'll have to find them yourself because I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. See, so Chris, where can we find you on the uh, the, the interwebs? Man, I am all over the place. Um, hey, same. I'm on uh, Twitter at Dr. Furball, D-R-F-U-R-B-A-L-L. I'm under most other places as Amazing Chris Godby, G-O-D-B-E-Y. Um, and I, I'm running a webcomic called uh, Weird in a Can. We've actually just started updating again. It's at weirdinacan.the-comic.org. So where can we find you at, Drew? Uh, um, I, I don't know where I am. <laughs> I hope you're in your house. I think it's Sitting my house. in front of this microphone. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> at this point, I'm not quite sure. 
<laughs> well, maybe, maybe we can try to narrow it down a little bit. <laughs> that, that's a good point. So, so I, I guess you can. If, if this isn't my house, you can find me on a. You can find me on Twitter at Drew Hunter fifteen, and uh, honestly, that that's about it, as per usual. Um, but you can find our podcast on uh, on <clears throat> on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify. We are now on Instagram at Lupon Pod and on Twitter at Lupon Pod. So until next time. Bye. Doodles. <laughs> Later. <laughs> see, see ya. Ciao. And cut. Oh my god, my brain is fried. <laughs> I'm never recording an episode this late at night ever again. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's like, I'm, it's just like how shaky your voice was saying and <laughs> I can't breathe, guys. You sound so nervous, man. <laughs> oh my god. My brain that was is so good. static at the moment. <laughs> <laughs>